So a question for you this morning, when was a time when you experienced or received something that was more than expected? That can have uh, many forms. It can look and feel many different ways. Sometimes you meet people like that. I've met people who were a little bit more than expected. Uh, Parenting. I remember thinking, hey, how hard can this be? That was a little more than expected. Uh, Stepping into a certain role or job, more than expected. Extended family vacations, more than expected, enough said. Expectations are when we have an idea of something that we anticipate or believe is going to happen. And it's sort of this mental image or, or something else that we, we have this picture of or belief of what we're about to experience and what it'll look like. And sometimes it's more than expected. Uh, sometimes it's also less than expected, too. People don't meet our expectations, events don't meet our expectations, and so we tend to start managing expectations, because that's the one thing that we can control, and so we manage our expectations. And Advent and and the Christmas season is a time that comes with a lot of expectations, doesn't it? We often place expectations on people or events that will never hold up under the pressure of what we put them under, and so they disappoint. We want you to see during this season of Advent that if we understand God's story and we embrace God's story and we live into God's story, that it's going to be far more than expected. And there's no better place to focus than on what Christmas is actually about. What God did here in this Christmas season as we celebrate the birth of a baby, as as Kevin said at the beginning, was more than was ever expected of how God would respond. And so God's invitation to us through Jesus is both that we would know him, that we would follow him, and that we would become like him. So today I want us to understand that God's creation and his creative character is also more than expected. And that his invitation to us continually is to join him in his creation, to be co-creators with God, to enjoy his creative character and join him in that in all the areas of our lives, to be creative people, creative in ways that maybe are more than expected, that push us beyond even our comfort zones. So I want to step back and actually just start in uh, the place of just seeing again God's creative nature and the wonder and glory of God's creation. And what better place to start than to go back to the beginning, to the very beginning of God's story, and in fact the very first line of God's story that simply says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I mean, just think of that statement for a minute. To say that that's a big statement is a huge understatement, actually. I mean, you think that you're creative? I mean, what what would be the first line of your biography if it was said about you? Likely not that big a statement. In the morning, Bruce stumbled out of bed and managed to make coffee and toast, and he only burnt one of them. I mean, think about this statement for a moment. This incredible story of God, the very first line, makes the most outrageous, wonderful, awe-inspiring statement about who God is and what he has done. And also, it says something really important about his character, that God is a God who creates. In the beginning, God created. It goes on to describe how 
God created out of nothing as the earth was formless and void of everything. And it says that all there was was darkness. And then he said, let there be light. And there was. And he decided to, to separate the two, the light and the darkness. Must have had a touch screen, you know, did something with that. And he saw that it was good. Then he separated the water below from the water below, above. That's kind of interesting. Then he separated the water and the land, and he saw that this too was good. Then it says how he created all kinds of plants and trees and fruit and seeds, and he saw that this too was good. And then he created the sun and the moon and the stars of the sky. I love the fact that God created light first, and then later he created the sun. He didn't need the sun to have light. He just then decided, hey, I'm going to have something that contains this light and directs it. Interesting. Then he creates all kinds of living creatures to explore the vast oceans, to countless living creatures to roam the land, birds to fly in the sky. And it says how all of this was good. Then God said, let's make mankind in our image, in our likeness. That's creative. And it gives a nod here to the Trinity of God as it says, let us, let us create. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all fully present right there from the beginning. Then in verse 27 of Genesis 1, it says, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And in these first words in the Bible, they introduce us to a God in a way that should cause us to stand in awe and worship and wonder. And if this text and if this incredible account of the creation story doesn't, I don't know what will. It reveals to us not only a God who creates, but a God who delights in creating. It keeps saying, it was good. You know, I don't know, we often have such a serious picture in our minds of God sometimes. And even in in how God creates, at least I do at times, you know, you think of God with kind of like long white hair, white robe, you know, kind of this stern look on his face, face, kind of like Gandalf. And, uh, you know, looking down a bony nose with a furrowed brow and just sort of doing the work. I love how Tony Campolo challenges us to think differently about this. He talks about maybe, maybe how it was when God created, and maybe it was different. Maybe it was more like the delight of a young child who's being thrown up in the air by her father. And every time the father throws the little child up in the air, she just squeals in delight and says, do it again. And then, and then the dad just throws her up in the air again, and she squeals in delight and says, do it again. And Campolo, he talks about, maybe, maybe God created that way. It's a different image of, you know, maybe it wasn't just sort of like this expansive sweep of just all, all the flowers are there, but maybe it was almost like one at a time. We know God's timing is his timing. Maybe it was just one at a time. It's like, create a yellow flower. Do it again. That was good. A blue flower. Do it again. That was good. Started creating the animals, and like one at a time, it's like, whoa, there's a giraffe. Look at that. That is good. Whales the size of a house. Incredible. God delighting in his creation. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Bear, lion, aardvark. Ooh, that's ugly. But creative. Butterflies, eagles, mosquitoes. Oops, made a mistake on that one, but hey, could have thought that through better. Um, I don't know what has inspired you, 
But I know, remember years ago, the BBC put out this series called Planet Earth, and many of you have seen it. Incredible stories, like I think six or seven DVDs of just stories of God's creation and the incredible magnitude and beauty and intricacy of God's creation. Remember the one that that stands out for me was there's this moth somewhere in the world, don't remember where it is, some country in the world, that burrows into the ground and it only comes out every 17 years. And every 17 years, like clockwork, these moths come out of the ground and there's like millions of them that just take over this whole region. Why 17 years? I don't know. That's creative. But it's like God delights in these things. So when I read the creation account and when I look at how intricate he has made creation, I can't help but see a God who just delights in creating. It reveals so much of who he is, and all this creation continually points back to him. Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they make him known. And this incredible truth and picture of a God who creates. Many of you remember uh, six or seven years ago, Louis Giglio did this message, and it's a DVD. You can just Google it online, find it on, on YouTube. And it's just Louis Giglio speaking about how great is our God. And it was this How Great Is Our God tour. And it's just this incredible story of the expanse of the universe and the planets and everything that God has made and God's creation of the universe. But what about even when we look inside our bodies? You think about how God has made us as human beings. Psalm 139 says, For you, were created in my, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. One of the things I, I did this week is I emailed just a few friends and I, that are in the medical community, and I said, hey, just give me uh, a few lines. Just give me something that you have learned over the course of your medical career that has caused you to wonder, to, to just have wonder and awe at God's creation of the human body. And I got a, a number of responses back, and I can only share just uh, two things here this morning. Uh, first one is from Dr. Dwight Loback, orthopedic surgeon. So here's what Dwight said. Bruce, you... You asked for a few minutes of my time to reflect on a few areas, and my mind immediately went into overdrive with ideas about God's creative genius and how our bodies are so fearfully and wonderfully designed. The detail that flashed through my mind and mentally running through the numerous body systems and how each one is a miracle in itself could take an hour or two. I hardly know where to begin to unpack this living, breathing, moving, thinking, communicating organism we call the human body. He says, look in a mirror and realize that what is looking back at you began however many years ago, depending on your age, as a microscopic sperm and an egg that united into one single cell, packed with all the genetic codes in the double helical strands of DNA that you would need to begin the creation of you, a unique individual unlike any other among some 7 billion people on this earth. The chemistry of that first event with the contract of the sperm and egg unit is a miracle in itself. That one sperm beat out several million other sperm in a race to be top dog that day, he says. Watson and Crick, two geneticists in about 1954, are in the history book celebrated as the co-discoverers of DNA. But all they did was to discover what was already there for thousands of years. And then he goes on, 
And he speaks to his area especially. He says, the knee and hip are uniquely constructed to carry us around. The arrangements of ligaments and muscle attachments are very different for each joint, uniquely constructed to carry on individual functions that are unlike any other joint. Also take as an example the joint cartilage, probably the humblest of all body tissues. It doesn't even have its own blood supply. It is nourished by nutrients and oxygen found in the synovial fluid that bathes the cartilage cells when you walk or move. Normal cartilage is about three millimeters thick and covers the end of bones inside joints. But yet, it's a tissue that lasts a lifetime for most of us without a blood supply of its own. Shows how important it is to walk and keep moving to keep that cartilage healthy. I think that's a little free advice for us from Dwight. (laughs) There is much more, but this gives you a small sample of what there is to discover. If we're made in the image of God, what must God be like? We are truly fearfully and wonderfully made. If you need me to give more detail, let me know. Can you tell I'm easily excited about this subject? This has been my life. I am truly blessed to have a small part in doing what I love to do all these 45 years. A little bit of excitement there. Second one, Dr. Marguerite McDonald. She's an anesthesiologist from our church here. She says, my workplace is the operating room, a place very similar to a workshop where you fix something except where you will find a human being trying to fix something that went wrong with the human body, which is no piece of wood, but an alive miracle, a mystery of which we don't even understand the tip of the iceberg. Described in Psalm 139 as fearfully and wonderfully made. Of all the amazing, impossible, intricate, complex organs, I am in love with the heart, she says. The heart is a beautiful heart shape, kind of, ball of power, complex layers of muscle arranged perfectly to work like two independent powerful pumps. Its heartbeat, though, is where things are at. It happens because of a little electrical impulse that propagates orderly and fires up the mechanical contraction just so. During cardiac bypass surgery for clogged arteries or valve repair surgery, the heart is stopped by taking the electrical trigger away and the work of the heart and lungs are taken over by a massive heart-lung machine while the surgeon sews in fresh clean arteries or perhaps a new valve no different than a seamstress. I always want to burst out in song once all is done and when the toxic potassium is removed that was flooding the heart and holding the electricity hostage. It's like spring has arrived in all its glory and life returns. First you see nothing, your own heart jumps, then a little flicker of a contraction in the atrium, the home of the electricity, then stronger and stronger, and you see how the wave of electricity spreads. The ventricle flows with, shiny, with shy little beats, first a bit hesitant, then stronger and better, and power returns. The ECG returns on the screen, and soon the heart is leaping and bouncing, and life is celebrated by the whole body. Praise God. Like Dwight, she gets a little excited about this stuff. But isn't that incredible? Like just these accounts of here's the human body. This is what God has created. Well, let's go back to Genesis 1 for a minute and just look at Genesis 1.28 where after God created human beings, after God created these human bodies, then he says this, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. And we see that in the very first command of God, the very first imperative that God gives us in all of Scripture that we see that he says, be fruitful and multiply. It's like God is saying, you know what? Join me in this creation, in this co-creative. Be like me in creating things. He calls us as the pinnacle of his creation to join him. As co-creators of families and cultures and cities and beauty, delighting in his creation and joining him with joy as we follow him in this mandate. But let's continue 
to just unpack God's creativity even as we continue to think about and, and look at the sweep of God's story and his redemptive story after creation. Because if we know the story, we know that while creation rebelled, brokenness set in, does God give us the ability to choose to love him and follow him or else to not and to go our own way? It's called sin. This universal concept that is seen and recognized in every culture around the world. When we say in one way or another, I'll be my own God right now, thank you very much. We see and feel the evidence in, in our lives and in our world every day. And so what's God's creative solution to this rebellion? He, he calls a man named Abraham. And he says, I want you to be the father of a nation that will take the blessing of God to the nations of the earth. Blessing and grace. And he promises Abraham that he and his wife Sarah will have so many descendants in their family, this incredible family of God, that it will be as numerous as the sand on the seashore or the stars in the sky. That's a remarkable statement. Especially since Abraham and Sarah are 90 years old and they're also barren. They have not been able to have children all their lives. And here's who God chooses to continue on this incredible story. That's creative. But God wasn't finished. He had even more up his sleeve because Abraham goes out, and if you know some of the Old Testament, you know the people of Israel as they struggle and stumble to try to bring the blessing of God to the nations of the earth, and they keep forgetting and going their own way and rebelling in, the, rebelling in their own way. And so God has another plan up his sleeve. It's one that we hear about in subtle tones through the prophets. We often quote these. You've already heard some of them. You'll hear some of them in the weeks ahead at this time at Christmas as the prophets kind of point ahead in anticipation and in joy and in hope about the Messiah. For unto us a child is born. And, and God has another creative plan in mind. What do you do when your creation that you have created rebels and goes their own way and kind of rejects you and you want to restore relationship? If you're a loving God, a creative God, you go yourself. So here God comes in human form and he enters into this world as a baby what's referred to as the incarnation of Jesus, God in flesh, that the God of the universe, the God who has created all things, now becomes one of us, moves into the neighborhood and joins this human race. The promised Messiah, the one who will save the world, the one who will eventually see the Roman Empire crumble, comes in the form of a baby, born in a feeding trough for animals. I mean, like, really? Really? Like, who thinks this stuff up? Apparently God does. I mean, that's a creative God. And as you keep reading and you go into the New Testament and you read the gospel stories of Jesus and his life and his ministry, and as he goes from being a baby to a young boy and to an adolescent and to a mature man, and he begins his public ministry, and he starts to declare what he has come to do to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor and blessing has come. And if you follow the track of Jesus' ministry and you watch what he does through the gospel stories, you just see creativity after creativity of things that are more than expected, or at least different than expected. 
from the very people that he calls to lead the church, like Paul, one who was killing off the church. That's creative. Or the way Jesus healed people. He never did it the same. You read the accounts of his healing ministry, and it's different every time. Sometimes like spitting in mud and touching an eye or sending them to go wash in a pool. or It's like different. every. Or how he calls people to faith. He calls people to faith so differently, in so many different ways, all the time. And so we see the creativity of God and the kingdom of God in so many ways in Jesus' life. And then he ends his life and his ministry on earth by being crucified on a cross. That was unexpected. But even more unexpected is he didn't stay there. That God himself and Jesus overwhelms the grave and rises again in the resurrection. Crucified on the cross for our sins, Resurrected to new life that we may not fear death and have eternal life. And then Jesus walks among the people there for a period of time so that actually hundreds and hundreds of people see him, give eyewitness accounts to seeing the resurrected Jesus so that we have recorded history of this actual event that truly happened. And then after his disciples seemingly sort of finally get over the shock and the wonder and the mystery and the joy of the realization that Jesus is actually alive again. Then he tells them, oh yeah, by the way, it's actually better that I return to the Father. I'm going to leave you now. I'm going to give you my spirit that will be within you. That was unexpected. Then the disciples, these very ones, these mostly uneducated, simple men of fishermen and tax collectors, We're called to go and start the church and proclaim the kingdom of God and change the world. It's a remarkable story. This is the story of God who continually creates. And this is his invitation to us to join him in his creative work. It extends from those first disciples to each one of us to choose to follow Jesus. And it's expressed, as we read in the New Testament, in so many different ways. Let me just touch on a couple. First of all, what Jesus himself says in John chapter 14 is he's preparing his disciples for his departure. And he's preparing them, and he's saying about, he's teaching them about the Holy Spirit, and he says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. This takes imagination, power, and creativity. But he calls the church, he calls those who follow, he calls his disciples and all who come in all the ages that he says, you know what, as you be the church with the power of the Holy Spirit within you, that you can do even greater things because I haven't left you, it's still me at work within you. So Jesus is still creating, he is still, but he invites us to join him in this incredible mission, setting the church in motion. The new covenant people filled with the Holy Spirit of God called to co-create with God in remarkable ways. Paul says it this way. He says in Ephesians chapter 2.10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Or a little further on, he says in chapter 3 of Ephesians, where he's talking about the call of the church and the role of the church in the heavenlies. He says his intent, God's intent, was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, 
according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Sounds like Dwight and Marguerite just delighting in this creation call, in this call to create, and, and the call that God has given us as a people to join him in his work. So when you think of this season of Advent, when we think of this time of waiting and anticipating for the celebration of Jesus coming as a baby, what we, what we call the first coming, and as we also wait in anticipation of his return, when, when Jesus will return and he will bring all things to creation, what we referred to as the second coming. I want you to think and be reminded of the incredible creativity of God that is there and is evidenced throughout this entire incredible story of God and how he has given us so, more, so much more than expected. To say that God is stunningly surprising and creative is such an understatement. But here's the thing. Why is it that sometimes we make our faith so boring? When you start to understand this incredible glory of God and the creativity of God and the invitation of God to join Him, you can be part of this kingdom work. Now, I know that for some of you, you, you think when you hear this word creative or create, you think you don't have a creative bone in your body. You go, okay, that's good for you, but that's, that's not really good for me. I mean, I, I get it. But here's the thing it's not true. I don't believe it. I don't believe that you don't have a creative bone in your body because you were created in the image of the living God. You were created by a God who is so incredibly creative and has made you in his image. He created you to create creatively. Think about that. But again, I want you to think about this in, in some of maybe the more non-traditional areas. It's great to create in crafts and in painting and in music and artwork and all kinds of those kinds of maybe more typical forms that we think of. And God delights when we do that. Those are incredible gifts to the church, to the, the community, to our families, to our friends. God delights in these things. It's also in areas that are just kind of fun and, and you might think small and subtle, but some people are so creative on how they set a table, manage a calendar, pack a suitcase, plan a trip. All of that takes creativity. But I want you to think about how God would have you create better in the things that are at the core of the gospel message. This message of Jesus where, that goes all the way back to even when Abraham was called to bring the blessing of God to the nations and the families of the earth. That we would be creative in how we love people extravagantly. People who don't deserve it, but who we love extravagantly and creatively. How is it that we will forgive people that have hurt us deeply? with creative grace? How will you creatively give more of your money and your material resources in ways that will surprise people and cause delight? How will you serve people with your time and your gifts in such creative expressions that they're not sure exactly how to even respond because they're so taken aback? I would suggest that God invites us to be entrepreneurs in creativity. Entrepreneurs uh, are, are people who, are, are, who initiate or take on greater than normal risks in the area of finance and business, typically. It's one of the definitions of an entrepreneur. 
I was talking about this with a friend of mine, Chris. Uh, he's an entrepreneur from Vancouver, and he says, an entrepreneur is three words. Find a way. Find a way. An article that was published in Forbes, Forbes magazine uh, by an author speaking about the real definition of entrepreneur, Brent Nelson, Brett Nelson, he said this. He says, while we normally associate entrepreneurship with business, it is not limited to business. He says, entrepreneurs in the purest sense are those who identify a need, any need, and fill it. It's a primordial urge independent of product, service, industry, or market. It's just this desire, this thing that you cannot suppress, this compulsion within you to be joining God in creating and finding a way to get things done, to be part of God's kingdom work. We need to create families and teams and cultures and responses and organizations and ecosystems of creativity. Because, you see, God invites us to be creative entrepreneurs in his kingdom of grace. That we might be people who take on more or greater than normal risks for God's kingdom work. And may that be our gift this Christmas. And here's the thing. You might think that, well, yeah, it'll make a difference in somebody else's life, hopefully. And you know what? It will. But it'll also make a difference in your life. Because it will allow you to see the glory of God and experience the Spirit of God at work within you in ways that you haven't experienced before. As we step out and take greater than normal risks in this creative entrepreneurship that God calls us to. If you aren't familiar with Bob Goff and, uh, and this topic that we're talking about today is one that you want to step into more and explore of how to expand your creative capacity in the kingdom of God, I'd encourage you, you need to read one of his books like Love Does or Everybody Always. I would call Bob Goff an entrepreneur of creative love and grace in response to Jesus. And he just tells stories about his adventures in creative kingdom living and how we're to become love to people following in the footsteps of Jesus. And I, 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 like, I love how at the end of his book, Love Does, he says this. He says, one of the things I've learned following Jesus is how much he enjoyed being with people. He didn't just love the idea of being with people. He actually loved being with them. A lot of people in the world stop being available at some point. It's subtle because it happens a little at a time and it's not malicious or anything. It happens though. But Jesus wasn't that way. And then Goff goes on to describe this creative love of Jesus that's expressed in being available. And then what does he do on the very last line and the last page of his book? He writes his cell number in. And it's his own expression of just greater than normal risk. I don't know about you, but sometimes we hesitate to give out our cell number to a few people. It's like, I don't want to be too available, you know? And here in a book that actually has published tens of thousands of people, he puts his cell number right in the back of the book and he says, hey, if I can help you with something, call me. And people do. That's creative. Taking on greater than normal risk of love and grace. One friend writes this about Bob Goff. He says, I don't know how to explain Bob's love except to say that it is utterly and delightfully devastating. You simply cannot live the same once you know him. He will wreck your American dream and help you find your actual dream. Now that might seem a little bit over the top and overstated, and maybe it is. But but this is what happens, or at least is to happen, when we truly encounter Jesus. What would it take for people to say that about us? That, hey, when they intersect with our lives, that 
we're just not the same again because they see the love of Jesus in our lives and they see the way that Jesus flows out of us. I mean, could we live in such a way, such a creative way of going above and beyond and doing more than even expected? You know, being creative in any form, like I said, maybe doesn't come easy for you. And I get that, and I can relate to that in some ways. Instead of wanting to take creative risks, sometimes we want to just kind of shrink back and we want to play it safe and so on. And in our Advent devotionals, if you've been reading along and just reading those day-to-day stories that we have available at the back and and online, uh, Lori Paul, she quotes Brene Brown, who says this, there is nothing more vulnerable than creativity. Because when we are creative, we, we kind of put ourselves out there. Some of the things that are most important to us, most valuable to us, we expose to others, and it's risky. But the invitation of God, and part of how we're re- invited to respond to this Christmas story is to create better by the power and the presence of the Spirit of God in our lives. And just to allow Jesus to flow through us in response to what He has done which is so much more than expected. Would you stand with me? Invite the worship team to come up, and I want to just lead us in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your incredible love for us that, as Kevin said, has shown no more pointed lay and power play than the fact that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son. And God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you came yourself. What an incredible story. God, we praise you for that. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to be vulnerable in our creativity, that we would take more risks in our responsiveness to what you have done in the kingdom creativity that you call us to. Lord, would you help us to be entrepreneurs of creativity? So Lord, I pray that you would Fill us with your spirit and help us to live out of the power and creativity of your spirit to bring the blessing of God and the hope of God to the nations of the earth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.